Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. You can pull out your phones out. We're going to survey time. We're starting our new series. And it's a poll. And the title of the poll is, Why I Don't Read the Bible. Okay, I'm not religious. I get all the Bible I need at church. I can't get past Genesis, or you might insert Leviticus in there. It's boring. It's too confusing. The Bible is full of errors or contradictions. I don't have time. Lack of discipline. The Bible is outdated or irrelevant, and I don't get anything out of it. Which is yours? Oh, lack of discipline. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Everybody say, I'm not alone. Especially you if you were in category lack of discipline. All of those. There's always somebody. We're all in this together. And you know, this new series that we're on is called The True Story of Life. Can you say that? The True Story of Life. How to read the Bible so it comes alive. How to read the Bible so it comes alive. And the how to read is kind of a major focus that we're going to be zeroing in on over the next couple weeks. How to read. Because over the next couple weeks, we're going to discover how the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, was actually, is actually one story. It tell, it's one complete story from Genesis to Revelation. That is the first book to the last book. One story. Everybody say one story. One story. The Old Testament is not outdated. Actually, for the first 300 years of the church, the Old Testament was the only Bible they had with some letters and gospel stories that were circulating, but hadn't yet been made into the official canon or Bible of Scripture. So if you have an aversion to the Old Testament, oh, you're going to get a lot out of this series because it's just going to be so good. You're, also gonna, you're going to learn how to tell the whole Bible, the whole Bible story in five sentences. Isn't that cool? Whole Bible story in five sentences. <laughs> We're also going to walk you through each week. We're going to walk you right through chapter, and we're going to teach you how to read the Bible. We're going to give you some Bible hacks. I'm going to give you some Bible hacks this morning. So you can actually, when you're reading the Bible, there's certain principles to apply to the Scripture when you're reading them so that you can understand it and so that we interpret it in a right way. We don't just go to the Bible like any other book. The Bible is the most amazing book you will ever pick up. And you know, you might even ask, well, well, why is this a big deal? You know, I got Jesus. I'm a, you know, I pray a lot. I, I really love God. I obey God. I believe in God. Well, here's the thing. Part of what it means to be a Christian is to believe that there is one true story governing all of history, including today. That's part of what it means to be a Christian. The Christian faith is not believing in Jesus. The Christian faith is actually believing this, that there it's a, the Christian faith is a particular way of understanding history as one big story that is centered around Jesus Christ. See, faith in Christ 
is in effect saying, I believe that the story of Jesus is a true story, and I want my life to be in that story. See, what Jesus, his life, his story isn't something that happened, past tense only. It's something that's happening. Can you say that with me? Say, his story is happening. His story is happening. You're either in a true story or you're living a fake story. You're either living in the true story of how God created the world and humans messed it up, but God had a plan right from day one to redeem and fix things in order to be with us. Everyone say one story. One story. So what is the story? Well, here it is. Five acts. And if you've taken the next steps track, oh, you know what these are. Number one is creation. Number two, there was a mess. We kind of gave some, we got some similar words in here to help it stick. There was a mess. Number three, there was a messengers. Number four, the message. And number five, living the message. Let's say that together. Number one, creation. Number two, the mess. Number three, the messengers. Number four, the message. Number five, living the message. So here we go. Act one is creation, and this is what we're going to zero in on today. If you're not familiar with the Bible, this is okay. This is actually great because sometimes if we're raised in a church environment, we can have certain filters about the Bible, certain filters we bring to the Bible that are actually wrong and broken filters. Someone once said that if you're not having a radical change in your belief every 10 years, you're probably not growing. <laughs> so if you understand and believe in the same way you believed when you were like five years old or 12 years old and you're now in your 20s or 30s, you need an upgrade. You need an upgrade. So here's the background. See, and Genesis is so important because if we get Genesis right, we'll be able to understand all the rest of the Bible. If we get Genesis wrong, it's like we're aiming. We can be aiming just a little bit off and we're going to miss the target. And so here's, some, here's just some of the background of Genesis. Genesis was written by Moses. Now there's some scholars that dispute that, but the majority of scholars will agree that Moses was the writer of Genesis. God inspired Moses. Some scholars believe that when Moses had gone up to Mount Sinai and it said he was up there 40 days with God and the Israelites thought he wasn't coming back and they had a whole golden calf episode. They, this is, some believe that that's when God was speaking and revealing to Moses what, was, what happened with the Genesis account. What happened at the beginning where nobody else was back there. What? How do we get that? And so some believe Moses, so the scholars that believe Moses wrote this, and most likely he wrote it after Israel had been delivered out of Egypt. 400 years of slavery. Now what was also going on at this time there were a lot of other origin stories. Did I say that right? So everybody makes fun of me when I say origin. Origin? Origin? Origin. Okay, great. Sometimes the American comes out and it's wrong. So my, every, my family's like, you say that stupid mom. Why are you saying that? Origin story. There were a lot of origin stories going on in Egypt, going on in Babylon, going on in the nations surrounding Israel. 
And 400 years in slavery, Israel would have been aware of these origin stories. There were origin stories about the flood. There were origin stories about sin. There were origin stories about creation. All of these nations had their own stories. Most of their stories were whacked because they were usually the result of some, it was like, it, about, like a story that involved the gods or cosmic forces of good and evil duking it out. And the, out of that result, that battle, there was like, poof, there's creation. And usually it had some version of the gods, they were tired of doing all the work, so they made humans to do their work and bring all these sacrifices to feed them because the gods were hungry all the time. And so that was the surrounding stories. But Genesis reveals a very different story and a different God. That's why it's so important. Now, before we jump in, we're going to read Genesis 1 together, but before we jump in, I'm going to give you three Bible hacks. You ready to go? These are three Bible hacks that will help you understand and read the Bible in a way that it is life-giving. And I hope by the time we're done, I show you at least one thing that will tweak your interest. And all of you that are like, I have lack of discipline, now you'll be inspired to get some discipline and read your Bible. Okay, so here we go. Here's the number one. This is, I would have to say, this is probably the most important hack, the most important principle for understanding, for reading scripture properly and interpreting it and understanding it properly. Number one, we go to scripture to find God, not ourselves. The first way we are to approach scripture is to discover who God is, what kind of God he is, and how he acts. We don't go to the scripture first to find out what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be? That comes later. See, often the reason we're not getting life from scripture is because we're going to it simply for knowledge. Anybody remember two trees in the garden? One of them caused a lot of problems. And I can't help but think of when we approach the scripture simply for knowledge, not out of a relational desire. God, I want to know you. Show me who you are. Not all of these other details, but who are you, God? I can't help but think, man, if we're going to the scripture just for knowledge alone, it's almost like we're repeating that whole tree debacle again, all over. <laughs> I didn't say that word right, did I? <laughs> debacle. There we go. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, here's so what we're going to do. Keep this in mind. We go to scripture first to discover who God is. We go to find God. So here's what I want you to pay attention. We go through Genesis in just a couple minutes. What kind of God do we see? What do we discover about his character? What do we discover about his nature? Okay, so that's the first one. Number two, here, this one's another very important one. Repetition. Everyone say repetition. Repetition is used in scripture like a spotlight. It's meant to bring our focus. It's meant to highlight important things God is wanting to bring to our attention. Parents, you know this. You have to say things three and 12 and 20 times to your children. Why? Because it's important and you want them to get it. God is the same. Repetition. Professor Leland Riken, he said, the most reliable guide to what a story is about is the principle of repetition. What keeps getting repeated in a story 
becomes a central focus, the thing towards which everything points. What is repeated over and over and over in the Harry Potter stories? Whose name appears more than any other name? Exactly! He's an important character in the book. Guess whose name appears in scripture more than any other name? God's name. So, what we want to pay attention to for repetition, you want to look for repeating words. You want to look for repeating phrases. And this last one, this is another really important one. It's called the rule of first mention. Everyone say the rule of first mention. The rule of first mention goes like this. The first time something is mentioned or brought up or revealed in scripture, it sets the precedence for how that thing is to be interpreted through the rest of scripture. So, that's why when we see the snake, the first time the serpent shows up, he's a bad guy, right? That's why you read through scripture. Snakes are usually a symbol of the bad, evil guy. Okay, so here's what we're going to practice. If you don't have a Bible, oh, and I just slapped water all over the place. All right, Genesis 1, here we go. You ready to roll? This is going to be so good. I hope your brain gets blown. Maybe not right away, but by the end, it will. I hope so, because my brain was blown. I'm showing you some stuff I've learned over the last little bit. Paying attention to God's character, his nature, repeated words, repeated phrases, things that are mentioned the first time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was an evening, and there was morning one day. Then God said, let there be an expanse between the waters separating water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above the expanse, and it was so. God called the expanse sky. Evening came, and then morning the second day. Then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land to earth, and the gathering of the water he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And it was so. The earth produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants, according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it, according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Evening came, and then morning the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will serve as signs for seasons and for days and years. They will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day, the lesser light to rule over the night, as well as the stars. God placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth, to rule the day and night, and to separate, I'm giving you some hints here, light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. Evening came and morning came the fourth day. Then God said, let the water swarm with living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water according to their kinds. He also created every winged creature according to its kind. And God saw that it was? 
And God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on earth. Evening came and then morning the fifth day. And then God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds. Livestock, creatures that crawl in the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, all the creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds. Thank God for spiders. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us, everyone say let us. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth. And every tree whose fruit contains seed, this will be food for you. Every vegan said, nobody in here is. Because after the flood, he said, eat meat. Hello. For all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it, I've given every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came, and morning the sixth day. Okay, pull your phones out again. Here we go. Let's practice. This is where we go. We go to find God. There's a, you're gonna, we have another poll. I want you to, what kind of things do we discover about God in Genesis 1? Put in there. What do you see? Oh, but she's going to be bumping up. It'll be up there soon. There we go. One word. What do you see? What kind of character? What do we see about God's nature? How would you describe it? Pop it in and we should see it on the screen a little bit. He is a good God. He's orderly. He's creative. Oh, I like how good. That's right. Creator. Creative. He's good. He's powerful. He's merciful. He's generous. Very good. Omnipotent. Intentional. He's loving. He's precise. That's very good. He's bossy. <laughs> He's telling things what to do. It's good. Okay, so we've got predominantly good Creative and creator. Those are kind of the main ones in there. Genesis is quickly growing. But God is good. But before we see he's good, what do we see? We see he's one and only. In the beginning, God. God is the one and only source of everything else. He's a source of even the things that we make. How? Why? Because God gives us the materials to make stuff. God is the only one that created out of nothing. God's also the main character in this story whose name is repeated over and over and over. God's name. And actually, Genesis 1 is more about God, the creator who made creation, than the actual creation. The creation is important, everything God did. But what is first and foremost is God is the main character. How does God 
How does he do things? He speaks. God gets things done through his word. He is a God of order. He's a good God. He's impersonal. He's involved. We have God. There's three ways God is making. When you look, and this is something you can't see unless you look at some dictionaries that help you understand words. God, he makes by speaking. He makes by, out of nothing, bara, creating, created. But he also makes with his hands. In other words, God get in, God gets involved. He's involved in what he makes. He is not an uninvolved God far off somewhere. God makes physical things. He likes the physical earth, contrary to a lot of wrong teaching. Heaven, heaven, eternity will not be the place in some ethereal, spiritual, nothing, soulish, weird realm. God is bringing heaven and earth back together. God loves physical things. Why did his, his first miracle in the flesh water into wine? So God is kind. God is also relational. God is kind in that look at all of creation. God's creating for our benefit. He's creating for you and I. All right. Let's jump into repetition. So if you're paying attention, we already talked about whose name is repeated the most? God. So this is what we need to this, this is God's story. It's narrative. It's not scientific. This is not an argument for or against evolution. This is not an argument for 24 hours in a day or a thousand days in one day or all of that other wonky wanky stuff. This is not meant to be a scientific discourse. Everyone say this is narrative. This is the true story of all of creation. So let's look at what's repeated. What's something that was repeated? Sorry, I don't have a poll for this one. That's okay. What is he repeated? It is good over and over and over, except on what happened on man's day. Oh, it's very good. Good, good, it's good. God's creation is good. God's creation is good. God's creation is good. When God makes man, it's very good. Oh, it's very good. We are the pinnacle. Humanity is the pinnacle of God's creation, and there's a reason for that. What else do you see? I hinted to give you one, Genesis 1, God created man in his own image. He created him. We'll get to the separated. You're right. He's separated. But God created man in his own image. Genesis 1, God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Created, created, created. Very intentional. God was purposeful. He's bringing attention. Zero in on day six here, guys. You are the ones that I'm concerned about. You're the ones that I love. Humanity are the ones that I'm all about here. Yes, I made all of these wonderful things, but I did it all for you. This is a generosity of God. Another thing that's interesting in days one through three, what do you see? There's a word in days one through three. How did he create? He created by separating. That's interesting. 
I'm going to show you how that works later on. It's super cool. Okay, let's go first mention. Here we go. Genesis 1. There are so many first mentions, obviously, because it's the book of Genesis. It's the first book, the first chapter. So there's a lot of mentions of first things here. So we're just going to zero in on a couple important ones. The most important is what I consider God. Look at Genesis 1. 1 to 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. What do we see God doing at the very beginning? We see God not only creating, but we see God saving. God was creating and God was saving. How was he saving, you ask? Good question. Look at The earth was formless and void. And there was darkness. In, in the Bible, when you come across the terms void or chaos, your version might say emptiness, darkness. All of that is biblical shorthand for evil, exile, and death. What did God do? We see God, he is creating. He's, but how is he creating? He's releasing. He's releasing creation out of darkness, out of emptiness, and out of a void. How did he do that? Let there be. God's word was what brought life. God's word was what brought light. God's word is powerful. God's word is what brought forth something out of nothing. God's word brought order. God, God's word is what overcomes chaos, darkness, and evil. And God's word will do that again. And God's word did that again for us. Listen to this, John 1:14. God's word in flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory. The glory as the one and only son from the father full of grace and truth. See, what we're seeing right at the beginning of creation, God is giving a picture. He is not only the creating God, he is the saving God through, through his word will again, when man messes it up, which will be the chapter next week that we're going to look at, but when we mess up, God already had a plan that he is going to rescue us and rescue all of creation out of darkness, out of the void, out of the chaos that we make. It's God's word from beginning to end. That's how God will deliver. Okay, so here we go. Here's some extras. I'm going to give you a peek at some stuff that I hope will get you so excited just to see how amazing Scripture is. And if you can look at this and you go, meh, on the Bible, well, you got bigger problems and I cannot help you. So, Because <laughs> if you can see what I'm going to show you and say, oh, yeah, it's just happening. It's just chance. First one, this Genesis 1, in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. That is not saying God made the sky and the earth. It's referring to two realms. God created a seen realm 
earth, God created an unseen realm, the heavens. But what's also super cool about this, this word for God, Elohim. It's a title, a general title for gods. It means, it means true God also means just all the gods, gods of the nations. But it also means, get this, ruler or king. So what we see here in Genesis 1, Genesis 1-1, we see a king is building his kingdom, the seen and the unseen realm. This king is building a kingdom. And this theme of kingdom carries right through the entire story of Scripture. Let's go back and look at our five acts and let's look at a little bit of a different lens. Creation is the king establishing his kingdom. Number two, the mess is about a broken kingdom. And then me- number three is the messengers for the king that will be a part of carrying the, his message that he's going to restore what's broken. Number four, the message is the king comes to save. And living the message is spreading the news of the king and the kingdom. Now this next part, go ahead and put the slide up. This is what's so cool. Look at this grid. Where we see the earth was without form and void. Days one, two, and three, we see the formless becoming form. God formed light and dark. He separated them. The waters above and the waters below. God's creating these realms. God's creating these different spaces. Day four to six, God is filling the void or the space that he had created in days one, two, and three. Are you tracking? It's kind of cool, isn't it? The sun, the moon, and the stars, the bird, the fish, the animals, the humans, they're what God created to fill what he had made, these realms. And that's what he did. He created realms day one, two, and three. And day four, five, and six, he created the rulers for those realms. You can go back and look. They occupied, be fruitful, multiply, fill. Look at the organization. This is just, this is, this is kind of like amazing when you look at how God, just one flipping chapter, and this is like barely the tip of the iceberg. One chapter, how structured, how ordered, how intentional God is. How do we miss this? We miss it because we're trying to figure out, well, is this evolved or was he created? Is this 24 hours in a day or is this 10,000 years? We miss the beauty of the creator because we're hung up on the creation. And that is what idolatry is. We live it every single breath of our day we put emphasis on the created and we miss the power and the beauty of the create of the creator who was so intentional we've missed seeing but here this is another cool one two more and i'm done the very first letter in genesis 1 in the hebrew bible it's the letter bet b or b bet 
The very last letter in scripture is the Hebrew letter Nun or N as the end of Amen. In Hebrew, there aren't vowels. They don't use vowels in the words. When you take bet and then and put them next to each other, actually should have done the other way. Here's bet, because then you're, you're looking at it the right way. Bet and then together, it's the word son. From beginning to end, this is a story about the son. Isn't that powerful? You can't tell me that book is not inspired. But there's one more. Why don't we stand? And I think this is probably the most important element of this creation story. If you read through Genesis and you come to Genesis 2, you're like, hey, this sounds like a repeat of what we just read. And in, in a way it is. It's creation 1.2. <laughs> and remember... In Genesis 1, we're introduced to God, and the name is, if you look in the language, it's Elohim. It's a general title for God. But in Genesis 2, it's something different. These are the records of the heavens and the earth concerning their creation. At the time that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. That word Lord, Yahweh. It's God's personal name. God reveals himself, yes, I'm the one and only God. But I'm not just a one and only God out there. See, Hebrew, in, in, in Hebrew, Yahweh is actually, it's a shorthand way of saying, I will be with you. I am with you. What do we see at the very beginning of this book to carry through the entire scripture? We see a picture, we see a story of a God who promised, I will be with you, I am with you, and he fulfilled that when he came in the flesh. Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God with us. From beginning to end, we are part of a story of God who lovingly created everything for us, created us to be on this planet, to reflect and worship to Him how good He is, and to bring His wisdom and goodness into the world around us. But more than that, from beginning to end, the story is about God wanting to be with us. God, can you say, God wants to be with me? God wants to be with me. And I want, we're going to pray right now, church. Because there's some here I feel like there's, maybe even watching online. You've had this idea. You've had an ascent of belief about God. But I don't like to inform you, but this is also what Scripture says, that even the demons believe in God and tremble. So believing isn't quite a good category you want to stay in. But would you be so bold as to trust God with your story by saying, yes, Jesus, I might not have all the knowledge, but I trust even what I see in this one chapter. God, you love me. And I want to trust you with my life that your story, that my life will be a part of your story. Can we pray this together? Say, Jesus, 
thank you for everything that you have done to save and rescue me from the chaos and emptiness of sin and my selfish ways. Jesus, I believe your story is the true story and I want my life to live in your story. Thank you for a new start. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.